And if we take an action or take a step or make a decision that brings God less value or takes value from God, that is an unethical decision. Hello and welcome to another episode of Law and Church, a podcast for church leaders. My name is Brian Fitton. I'm here with Josh Bryant, managing attorney at Church General Counsel and an ordained pastor. All right, Josh. So I guess it's time to start talking about 2020 and thinking about New Year's resolutions. What do you think? Man, it's not even Christmas yet. You're one of those guys that listens to Christmas music before Thanksgiving, aren't you? I love it. I'm going to tell you something. You got the Christmas tree up at Halloween. Yeah. Dressing as Elf. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Nothing. You know, Christmas starts basically the end of September. So. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's, you can tell you live about five miles from Walmart. <laughs> that's oh, that's true. That's, that's true. funny. That's funny. But yeah, you know what? It is time to start thinking about New Year's uh, resolutions. Uh, you know, it takes some time to plan some of these things out. And I, I'm one of these guys that I want to sit down and I want to really think through it. And I want to have uh, the right wording and, and be able to post my, my New Year's resolutions. Uh, there may be some people who don't do New Year's resolutions, but it is time to start thinking about that. And, you know, I know a lot of pastors who have kind of one word that they choose for the entire year, and every sermon series they do is kind of based around that one word and that one vision that they try to keep the church uh, heading towards. And so we're going to do the same thing for our podcasts and blogs and social media and just all the different stuff that we do. Our word for 2020 is going to be better. So, nice. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So if we're we're jumping into that for churches, right? So how do we basically goal number one is how do we create a better church? How do yeah. we make our churches better? Yeah. You know, in twenty twenty, that's what we want to see. We want to see that we have helped churches be better. And so that's kind of my personal goal for church. Uh, the church law group is making churches better. And uh, that's going to be our keystone word for the year. <clears throat> and there's you know there's a couple different ways in which you can do that. You know, I mean, really, it's kind of hard to know whether you've gotten better if you don't know where, where you are right now. And so we kind of have to take a little bit of an assessment and say, okay, where are we? Uh, how, how are we doing? Um, and then once we know that, we can kind of step back and say, okay, well, what can we do um, in order to be better 12 months from now? Uh, what are some things we can do? And the, the thing is that a lot of times church leaders don't know what they don't know. And that's that's not true for just church leaders. It's true for all sorts of people, business owners and um, you, you know random Joe Schmo on the, on the streets. Uh, the most dangerous thing is not knowing what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, one of the things we're, we're going to provide for listeners and anybody who goes out to the website uh, is we have a 150-point checklist that we walk through with a lot of our churches um, just to see how, how are they doing when they, when they sign up to be a client. I want to know where they are uh, so that we can kind of start setting some goals about where we want to be. And so I want to provide that checklist for you, and you'll find the link in the show notes. But um, you can go through that and kind of check off, here are the, the legal things that we have. Uh, here are the documents that we have, and here are the processes we have, and here are the elements of our bylaws that are actually in place. You can kind of check those things off, and then where you have blanks, that's where you know there's room for improvement and ways that you can get better in 2020. And so... Definitely go out there and take a look at that. Get that 150-point checklist. Walk through it. Um, and certainly, if there's any way we can help you at the church law group, we want to do that. But um, Well, and I'll say, Josh, too, I mean, it's it's good to be honest with yourself in that situation. There's a lot of times we go into that, especially on a personal level, trying to plan out, like, where are we at right now? And we always make it better than 
what it actually is. So yeah. kind of being self-aware, hey, our church is struggling with this and that, and we, we need to make sure that we put those those things in place, but be very self-aware of what, what you need to fix and what you really need to set your goals up. And I think that checklist is going to help with that. Yeah, I think so too. So we want to make better churches. So that's what we'll be working towards in 2020. Uh, 2020. All right. So the second part of that too, so goal number two for churches, make better decisions. So how are we going to do that? Well, um, philosophers have asked that question for uh, for many, many years. Uh, you know, I've just finished up two books, and uh, I'm glutton for punishment. I'm already starting on the next one uh, that we're going to call Citizen Church, and uh, we actually have a, a new blog at Patheos. Uh, I'm a new commentator there, or columnist, whatever they call them, um, and, and the, the blog there, that column is called Citizen Church, and and. Chapter one of this new book, um, as I'm starting to think through just the framework of the book and the structure of the argument, talks about how in the church world, when we talk about making good ethical decisions and right decisions, we've really lost sight of the forest for the trees. We we often focus so much when we talk about ethics on an individual person's moral decisions that we forget that the church itself is made up of a whole bunch of these individual people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so when we when we make that comparison, uh, we see that the church itself has an ethical obligation and has multiple ethical obligations. Uh, and you know, some of the pushback I get sometimes is, well, no, the church is not a person. The church is not a moral actor. Well, businesses are moral actors. You know, we expect businesses to deal honestly with us, and when we don't, we get upset. Mm-hmm. We feel um, uh, that we've been treated unjustly. Uh, and there's no difference between a business as an organization and as a church as an organization. Both have these ethical responsibilities that, that have to be dealt with. And so there are uh, several different models out there, and we can talk about Socrates and Aristotle and Plato and all these other guys who kind of started the conversation about virtue ethics, and and really those things are in Scripture too. And we can see all those there and and certainly draw lines to see how those things uh, compare to the church. But there's a whole lot of scholarship and a whole lot of research that's been done on organizational ethics already and Mm -hmm. business ethics. And so we can take a look at those particular models and those frameworks. We can see how they align with Scripture, see how they don't align with Scripture, and take those parts that do align with Scripture and help us come up with this model or this framework that we can look at how we make decisions as a church and whether those decisions and whether those actions are, in fact, ethical. Um, you know, right now the church has a big black eye in America mm-hmm. for Absolutely. ethical issues. You think yeah. about embezzlement and theft and cover-ups of sexual assault and harassment and bullying in the church. We, we've got a black eye, and so it's time for churches to step up and be citizen churches. Uh, and, and so there's five different things there, and we can we can go into each one of those, and we'll go into a, go to them in more depth next week, but uh, we can touch base on them a little bit today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I'm, I'm excited to jump into those, but uh, before we do, so we're going to talk about our featured resource today, which is church bylaws, you know, so church bylaws in general are, are a big problem that uh, the church has, so you were talking a little bit about that, but um, at last count, there were almost 900 reported cases where churches had been sued because of bylaws issues and bylaw problems. So those numbers are only rising. I mean, we were just kind of talking about that. So our featured resource today is uh, churchbylawsbook.com. Josh, tell us a little bit about that. So here in the next couple of months in 2020, we will have a book uh, coming out called Bylaws and Business Meetings. Uh, And uh, Dr. Tom Rayner has been a guest on uh, the podcast a couple of times, is going to be writing the foreword for that and actually got a draft copy of that last night. And 
uh, the, the first line is, most church leaders hear uh, bylaws plus business meetings, and it equals boring. Uh, <laughs> and there's a certain degree of truth to that. But they don't have to be. And so at churchbylawsbook.com, um, we're going to have access to a kind of a sneak peek of the book. Uh, you're going to have access to a free sample set of bylaws that are not boring, uh, that really help propel the church, that are, are kind of a taking an old tool and cleaning the rust and the dust off of it and really putting it back to use for God's kingdom. And so that will be out there. There'll be some other resources there as well. So definitely go check that out, churchbylawsbook.com. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So uh, let's jump into these five points real quick of basically making better decisions uh, in our churches. And so uh, the first one, so let's let's look at this. So the first way to make better decisions is to ask what course of action will bring God the most value. Yeah. And so there's really five different theories here, or five different frameworks or models that we can look at organizational decision-making through. And the first one is really kind of the classical theory. And when, when you look at that theory in business, it's what brings the owner of the business the most money, all right? Well, churches don't have owners, and churches are not necessarily about bringing in money, even though we do need resources to fulfill our mission. But we do have a leader uh, in the church, and that is Christ. Uh, you know, Colossians 1 says that uh, he is the head of the church and that he is preeminent in all things. And so, you know, with, with Christ as our, our head, we have to ask ourselves the question under this, this particular framework, what brings Christ and the kingdom of God the most value? Uh, and that decision or that action which brings the most value in any given circumstance is the ethical decision. And if we take an action or take a step or make a decision that brings God less value or takes value from God, that is an unethical decision. And mm. we'll, like I said, we'll talk about this in more depth next week, but that's kind of the first question is what decision can I make right now or what decision can this church make right now that brings God the most glory? Absolutely. And I think we kind of get in the weeds a lot of times with that. We're, you know, we're thinking that day to day or the next week to drive, you know, um, attendance numbers or, you know, the the missions of the of the kids organization or whatever it is, instead of st- taking a step back and saying, is this actually going to bring uh, God value in this decision that we're making? I think that's yeah. that's excellent. So um, so the second way uh, is to ask course, uh, course of action will fulfill or break commitments that the church has made. So kind of expand a little bit on that. Yeah. So this one, is uh, what we call the contractual model or contractual theory. And basically it says that when we make a decision, uh, as long as it upholds or fulfills the agreements that we've made, that it is the ethical decision. And obviously, if it breaks a contractual commitment uh, or breaks an agreement or fails to live up to a commitment, that's not an ethical decision. Uh, and and so the, the obvious uh, issue here is, okay, well, what contracts has the church signed? Okay, well, we have an obligation to pay the electric bill. We have an obligation to uh, pay the rent or the mortgage or whatever. But at the same time, there are also really implicit agreements that the church has made. When somebody becomes a member of our church, you know, there are a lot of churches who call that a covenant membership. It's an agreement mm-hmm. where you agree that you're going to 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 reside and live under the authority of this church and that you abide by our doctrinal statements, but we're also going to be providing you ordinances and worship services and biblical teaching and so forth and so on. So there's a a commitment that's made there. And when we make a decision that breaks that commitment, that's not an ethical 
decision. Uh, and so the church has to do what Proverbs said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Jesus said the same thing. Uh, and so we really need to focus in on making sure that we uphold all those commitments. The hard part is identifying what those mm-hmm. commitments are, because some of them are really implicit, and we have to kind of look for them and and, and you know what? We kind of did make an agreement there, even though we didn't shake hands, we didn't sign a contract or anything like that. Of course, we always shake hands in church, so maybe we didn't <laughs> sign a contract. But at the end of the day, we've made some agreements. We have mm-hmm. to look for those agreements and make sure that the decisions we make uphold those agreements. Absolutely. No, I completely agree with that. And that's that's definitely something you know, we talked about at the beginning. It's like... Uh, you know, the the worst way a church can get a bad reputation, too, is by not paying their bills, by not making sure, you know, we talked about at the beginning, yeah. but then also making those commitments and fulfilling those with our members, making sure that every single Sunday you're there, you're showing up, you're you're fulfilling your end of that bargain. I think yep. that's, that's fantastic. That's absolutely so, right. Um, so we go into this, the third way to determine um, is really who will be affected by this action, right? So we want to make sure that the people that, you know, if we're making this decision, we're taking a step back. It's like, who is really going to be affected by this? And even seeking input from that, too. I mean, Bible talks about that, obviously, seeking counsel. So if there's something that that is going to be uh, affecting somebody, um, we want to make sure that we view all sides of that to make sure that we're making that right decision. Can you kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah, you know, churches and, and really, I mean, people can be very um, selfish. Um, it's it's the pride that's it's part natural. Of this. It yeah. is, yeah. you know. That's that's just part of who we are, uh, unfortunately. And so, it takes a little bit of intentionality to take a step back and say, okay, in making this decision, who all is going to be impacted by this decision? And when you kind of think and say, who who are the stakeholders? Who who has a a, a a dog in the fight or, or who has a stake in, in this particular decision, well, you think, okay, we've got employees, we have vendors, we have members, we have guests, we have the community, we have the needy who rely on our benevolence, we have the lost world, we've got our government and law enfor- enforcement, and, and uh, mm-hmm. we've got neighbors who own property next to the church. All of these um, different stakeholders can be impacted by a decision that the church makes. Uh, and so we need to take a step back and say, okay, in making this decision, which of those stakeholders are going to be impacted? Let me let them know that mm-hmm. we're making a decision that can impact them. Let me get their input, and then let me make a decision or let the church make a decision that considers all of that. Let's be considerate. And that's that's really ultimately, if we wanted to tie mm-hmm. this down to some virtue, be considerate, be kind, uh, and and think about other people. So that's kind of where this particular stakeholder model comes into play. You know, it's interesting. We just uh, went through uh, the book of Esther, and there's a lot of with Xerxes just making these decisions without really consulting yep. of what's the impact going to be and just the messes that it created. And there's countless stories in the Bibles about that, about that just specifically the decisions that people are making on the fly without gaining input or even taking a step back to say, we're making this decision, who is it all going to impact? Yep. And so... Uh, that's a that's a, a good word there. So, um, so the fourth way is uh, you know to, for us to make better decisions is uh, obviously um, the best way to fulfill the church's mission. So it's very interesting, Josh, that we that you put this too at, at the fourth uh, piece because people would think that would be the first. Yeah, was the church's mission? That's what we're going to fulfill. Um, but I actually appreciate that that we kind of dove into this even a little bit further down there. But um, kind of kind of talk through that. So this is what we call the agency model, uh, and it basically says, you know, hey, as a business or as an organization, you have a mission. Otherwise, you wouldn't be an organization, right? When we we establish a business or start a business or start a new church, we do so with a purpose. We have a mission, 
And the ethical decision is the decision that fulfills that mission. Well, as the church, we know we have a mission. Jesus gave it to us in Matthew 28 and Acts 1 and you know so forth that we're to make disciples of all the nations, baptize and teach them, right? Uh, and so that's our mission. Now, we put this forth uh, mainly because the, the scholar that I've been reading puts it forth, but I think it's important to realize that if that's the only thing we focus on, and I'm not saying this isn't important, it's very important because we Absolutely. do need to make disciples, yeah. but if that's the only model under which we analyze a decision, we can make decisions that are very unethical. So, for example, uh, we see this in a lot of the sexual abuse cover-ups. Well, we don't want this to be public because it's going to hurt our witness. It's going to hurt our ability to reach a lost world. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to cover it up. All right. That's an unethical decision. If we would have looked at, for example, the stakeholders and seen, listen, the community is a stakeholder here. The lost world is a stakeholder because they're going to look and see that we covered this up and didn't deal with it. We've got law enforcement that's a, a, a stakeholder here. Now we see, listen, our witness is going to be hurt worse by covering up than yeah. by dealing with it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's important. We've got to make sure that we're making disciples and, and fulfilling the mission Jesus gave us. But we also have to make sure that we're looking at these other avenues of reaching an ethical decision to make sure that the decision we make in trying to make disciples doesn't actually hinder that mission more than it helps it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, that can't be even more important in the today's time with all of the stuff that's coming out. And yeah. with social media and with, I mean, cell phones, anybody could record anything at any time. And so taking a step back to see exactly what how to handle a situation. And, and I would even say caution against going too far the other way, you know, seek counsel instead of just saying, hey, all this stuff is happening in our church and just being almost completely and even uh, transparent over the top. Like you don't need to yeah. go that far, um, but really make wise decisions and, and obviously consider everyone involved. So I think that's great. All right. The fifth and final way to make better decisions as a church is to ask which course of action would, be, would best collaborate with the community. So what do you mean by that? So this is the the fifth kind of model of, of organizational integrity, and it, it's called the citizenship model. And, you know, really, uh, that's kind of what the Citizen Church blog is based on. That's what uh, the Citizen Church book is going to be based on, is that ultimately we don't reserve citizenship just for people anymore. The law has expanded such that we now have corporate citizens, that we have organizations that have responsibilities to our society, just like we as individual citizens have responsibility to our, our society and our communities and our, our states and nations. And, and so what this does, it says, okay, in making this decision, what collaborates with the rest of society to make the world a better place? Mm -hmm. All right, And I know that sounds real idealistic and ephemeral and people are going to come to different conclusions. It's a fallen world. We have to expect that. Yeah. But in, in this citizenship model, that's the ultimate question. What is going to best benefit society? What's going to make the world a better place? And it really ties into a lot of the other ones. When we talk mm -hmm. about the agency model and we want to make disciples, well, if we're going to make disciples in our community, we need to collaborate with our community. Yeah. We've got to be in our community and be good citizens. Uh, otherwise, people are going to be turned off by the church. Yeah. And I'm not going to preach on how uh, much of a problem we have with people being turned off by the church yeah, right now. Yeah. And so we've got to be good corporate citizens. We've mm -hmm. got to make sure that we're doing uh, things by the book and, and we're we're helping our communities. Really, it goes into benevolence. Being a good corporate citizen 
is about being generous. It's mm-hmm. about doing what we say we're going to do, which is the contract model. And so uh, we, we've got to be good citizens. We've got to consider everybody in our community, uh, and we've got to collaborate. We don't need to compete with other churches. We need to work with other churches. We don't need to compete with our government. We need to work with our government and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I grew up in a uh, pretty small church uh, most of my life. And um, I've noticed just over time, there are a lot of churches that go into a defense mode. And it's, yeah. it's we're going to protect our own. We're not going to go outside. We're going to talk bad about the church down the street, you know, the Baptists and the and everybody's different. And so it's one of those things is where um, I agree it's it's that has only brought on shame for the for all of us for mm-hmm. all the churches and for all the because we can't get along yep. and so I think it's I think it's great to uh, to look at it in a sense of even from you talked about from a corporate mindset of being able to say hey how are we going to give back to our community and do it with intention with genuine intention not hey this is going to be a great photo op yeah or hey this is going to look great on our social media page right um but actually be involved in the community and i would even say we we have at, our, at my current church we have a lot of homeless organization involvement and so it's one of those things that we don't take photos at that opportunity i mean it's one of those things that this is not for us mm-hmm. this is not to make us look good and and honestly we don't want to even bring shame on anybody else too it's like hey look how good we are at helping this person who you know looks terrible and they have nothing in their lives that that's good but we're here helping them like has nothing to do with us has yeah. everything to do with making sure that we're actually bringing good and bringing bringing the kingdom to those those folks too that are that are in need of that the, yep. the broken and hurting and lost making sure that we're there. So on to our final goal here, Josh. We want churches to be better secured in 2020. Yeah, you know, I don't want to be a scare tactician. I don't want to to instill fear uh, in, in people unnecessarily. But we really need to be, like you said, honest with ourselves in that churches are really vulnerable right now. Um, our policies and procedures are not up to uh, snuff. And those documents uh, really serve to benefit and protect the church. Uh, our bylaws are not up to snuff. Um, you, you know, we don't really have great security p- procedures in place. Um, our kids are vulnerable in church. And so we really just want to make sure um, that we make the church more secure in 2020. Uh, and a secure church is a better church, and so we want to make the church more secure. And there's several different ways we can we can go about doing that. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously the first one would be to have better bylaws. Yeah, and, you know, we've already talked about it some uh, with our featured resource. Um, and I'm going to keep hounding on it, and we'll talk about it again over the next few weeks. But, um, you know, ultimately having better bylaws is the most important way to secure your church from a lawsuit. Um Your bylaws can secure First Amendment protections. Your bylaws can uh, clearly establish authority and make it easy to determine who has the authority to do what. Uh, Your bylaws can clearly set forth employment issues that remove those issues from the jurisdiction of the courts and place them squarely within um, the, the context of, uh, of religious freedom. Uh, and so we've got to have great bylaws. And so that's, that's really the first thing a church can do to secure itself is to make sure we've got good bylaws. Yeah. Um, I think the second way too would be obviously have better policies and processes. Yeah. You know, we talked about that just not 30 seconds ago, but policies help secure your church against a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, policies tell volunteers and staff members and members, here's what to do. Uh, And then your procedures tell those same people how to do it. Uh, And if you've got those documents in place, as long as they are followed, the church should be secure. The church should be protected, especially if you've got a lawyer uh, looking at those. Uh, You know, but at the same time, 
even if they're not followed, it still protects the church. You are doing what you're supposed to do as a church when you have these policies and procedures and you train to them. When somebody doesn't follow those, that's not necessarily on you as long as you're supervising and, and providing appropriate um, you know, levels of feedback. So uh, we've got to have good policies and procedures. We've got to have them in one place. Um, you know, A lot of churches have their policy manuals scattered across four different departments and just have different individual loose-leaf documents. That's just not going to cut it. We've got to have much better policies and procedures. It's a really great way to secure your church. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, honestly, God's called us to the higher standard as well. Yeah. So we need to make sure that we have those in place. So, um, And then finally, uh, having better security will help us be more secure. That kind of sounds a little obvious, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> call, call me Captain Obvious there, but we've really reached a day in which physical security on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, anytime you've got a lot of people in one location... Um, it security is just becoming paramount. Um, you know, the the world is going to devolve. Well, we know that from scripture. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, and when you put a lot of people in one place, um, there's a chance for violence. Uh, and and so we've just got to be careful. We've got to have um, we've just got to have good physical security. We need to talk about what that looks like. Um, you know, since Sutherland, Sutherland Springs, uh, the shooting there that that just tragically killed half the church um, mm. it was kind of the the flashpoint um, yeah. but we can't let our guard down we've got to continue even though nothing really major has happened since then we've got to continue to really push on this and and make sure we've got good security in place and we'll have some other resources coming out in 2020 to that effect yeah and I'm excited to uh, to talk through that stuff because you never think it's going to happen to you yeah. you never think it's going to happen to you at your church and so um, it is one of those things that we have to pay attention to and make sure that we are prepared in those situations and our congregation and the kids ministry, everybody knows exactly what we need to do. And so I am really excited to kind of jump into that yeah. uh, in 2020. So, um, all right. So better bylaws, better policies, better processes, better security, better decisions and better churches. How can the, uh, the church law group help with that? Yeah. So two things, you know, one thing is our client suite. Uh, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but in that client suite, you can really take, uh, a look at these uh, these policies and processes, and you can put them in one place where anybody in the church can have access to them. Uh, and you can control that, and you can see who has uh, reviewed those policies and procedures, and you use it as a training model. And so that client suite is a really great way to make sure that you've got good policies and procedures. It's also a good way to make sure you've got good bylaws because we include bylaws in them. Mm-hmm. So that client suite is, is really important. And then we've talked about these these better decisions and these ethical decisions, you know, we just rolled this out, our church law and ethics acumen training. Uh, we call it cleats. Uh, and and we're constantly going to be producing videos and rolling out more training videos, short videos. We'll have some longer videos. We'll have entire courses uh, uh, where we put these videos together. But ultimately, the whole idea is to make sure that church leaders know what they don't know yeah, yeah. is that we tell them about the law and how it applies to churches. We talk about these organizational ethics issues, and we raise the bar for uh, church leaders. Mm-hmm. And we, we set a bar of here's the skill and the knowledge that you need in order to lead a church well uh, in this era where ethics and legal issues are going to hound the church and continue hounding the church until we get better. Yeah, uh, And so 
Go out and check that out. It's $9.99 a month, and you've got unlimited access to uh, the courses that we've got. Or if you want it for your entire church, it's 425 bucks, and everybody in your church can have access to it. So, And that's for the year. So um, it, it's inexpensive, but it is so, so necessary. So go out there and check that out. Uh, the, the link will be in the show notes. So Absolutely. Well, Josh, we've talked about a lot of things today. And uh, we've obviously gone into some really good points, and I, I really hope church leaders out there who are listening to this are really paying attention to this, going going through and actually putting this stuff into action. And so um, what are some, kind of your final thoughts on all this? You know, it's kind of, an unfortunately, an all-or-nothing deal. Uh, you know, we, we can't just nitpick, uh, yeah, I'm going to take this, or yeah, I'm going to follow this ethical model. we really got to put it all together. We've got to make sure that... Um, we're secure and that we're making ethical decisions and we're analyzing our decisions through all of these different models um, in order to make our churches better. And if we don't get better, we're going to continue to see some of the same problems that we've had with sexual abuse in the church and cover-ups and theft and embezzlement and bullying. And the church is not going to be attractive. Now, we don't want to compromise our doctrinal purity, but we want to be attractive. We want the world to look at the church with favor, mm-hmm. um, and we want to to have favor with with men, uh, as the Bible says. And so, um, in in order to do that, we've got to make sure we're making good decisions. Um, and the whole point of all of that is to make disciples and bring value to the kingdom of God. Yep. And so, if we can do all of this, we're really going to make our churches better. And that's what we want to see happen. That's been another episode of Law and Church, and all the resources we've talked about today will be in the show notes. Uh, you can get those show notes on the Church Law blog at thechurchlawgroup.com or on our podcast website at lawandchurch.com. And of course, the show notes will always be available in your favorite podcasting app. That's right. And go do us a favor. Please go subscribe and review to our podcast. Listen, our heart is for the local church, and there are church leaders who really need to hear this stuff. And your review and subscription of the podcast just makes it that much more likely. And certainly we're going to be talking about stuff next week uh, that you're going to want to hear as we go into more detail. So uh, your subscription is also going to help make sure that you have access to that. And so uh, go do that. And then also make sure to go join the Church Law Group on Facebook. Just go to Facebook, search Law and Church, and you will find that group. You can also find the link in the show notes. Thanks, everyone. And we will uh, see you next week.